Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest for you. His name is Michael Kish. He's a founder and CEO of Better Sleep. Mike likes to make the complex simple, engaging, and accessible to more people. He's passionate about applying this philosophy to healthcare. Previously, Mike was the founding CEO of SoundHawk. It's a wearable hearing enhancement company that developed the first connected hearing device. He led the company from concept to commercialization and multi-million dollars in revenue. He is a bright mind in this space, and uh, it's super exciting to be able to connect with you today, Michael. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, honored to be here. Hey, so uh, tell me, what did I leave out of your intro that you want the listeners to know about you? Proud father of three. I have three kids. I have twins and I have a 11-year-old uh, daughter as well. And that's sort of the personal information. I've spent time on the East Coast. We've, I've just talked to you about Midwest, been in California mm-hmm. the last 18, 19 years. And uh, I've seen a lot and hope to continue to see more. That's awesome, man. You've trekked the country. You've seen the the cities, sort of uh, the differences. And now you're back in California and you're, you've taken a dive into this uh, healthcare sector even deeper. And so I'm curious, what got you into it to begin with? Sure. Healthcare. So I spent the first 15 years of my career largely in consumer packaged goods. So I worked for Kraft Foods mm-hmm. outside of Chicago, Anheuser-Busch. And then I moved on to Cisco Systems, where I worked in their sort of emerging technologies group. And so I was part of the team that would incubate lots of new products. Nice. And it was uh, everything from connected video cameras to sort of video conferencing systems. And one of the things that was consistent across a lot of those products was taking the complexity out of the experience for the user Mm -hmm. and making things simple, accessible, and easy for them to use. And about six or seven years ago, I had an opportunity to come into the healthcare space with the company you mentioned, SoundTalk. And you just saw that there were a lot of opportunities to deliver better products, better experiences that were placing the patient really at sort of the center of the experience. So when I looked at the skills and the experiences that I had acquired, it just became really logical for me to sort of begin to apply those to healthcare first on hearing aids and now sort of in the, the realm of sleep tech, which is another area that there's a lot of very well-intentioned people, but I think everyone agrees that 
these products and experiences need to get better if we're going to deliver improved outcomes at lower costs. Amen to that, brother. So yeah, you know, like the user interface of healthcare, as one of my previous guests uh, mentioned, is broken. And so your skills are, are highly valued here, my friend. Talk to us about better. What do you guys do there? And then let's dive into what you guys at Better think a hot topic in medicine is and how you're addressing it. Sure. So at the highest level, our mission is really to help people understand and solve their sleep problems. Mm-hmm. So pretty obvious, pretty basic, but there's two components of that that I think are, are critical. You know, the first part is understanding. Like how do we empower an individual on their own to really get a view into what we spend a third of our life doing, but because we're asleep while we're doing it, we really don't understand what's going on with our sleep and how good it is, how bad it is, and what choices we make are actually having a positive or a negative impact. And what we've just brought to market is a product we call the Sleep Tuner, which is this small wearable sensor about the size of a stamp, the weight of a nickel, and you wear it for multiple nights while you sleep, and it tells you some really interesting information about your blood oxygen level, if you've stopped breathing, your sleep position, your heart rate, and a range of other things. And this is the first product along sort of a pathway that we're going to really give people sort of accurate and affordable and accessible products that help them understand their sleep to a greater degree than they've ever been able to in the past on their own. The second thing that we're building out is just helping someone understand is not a solution. It's a sort of an onboarding, an entree, if you will, to how do we actually direct them to the appropriate treatment path that's most likely to be able to help them. And this is really the second part of what Better is doing is we're building out a way for people to get a formal diagnosis if they have a sleep disorder but also we're using data along with the intuition and expertise of sleep physicians to direct people to a therapy path that that stands the greatest chance of actually being successful for them and that's i think in a nutshell the crux of what we're going to be building and rolling out here over the course of the next 6 to 9 months that's exciting and i don't remember the statistic but i know it's pretty high I think it's something like one in four people have sleep apnea or even two out of, or one out of two. It's about 54 million U.S. adults out of 219. So roughly one in four, you were right the, the first. One in four. Yeah, that's a lot. And of those, a very small percentage are, are actually diagnosed or even know. So this is pretty cool stuff. Now, folks, better sounds like B-E-T-T-E-R, but it's actually better, B-E-D-D-R, kind of like bed doctor. Pretty cool play on words there. So the the device actually goes on the forehead, right? That's right. It goes on the forehead for three reasons. One, there's not a lot of nerves in your forehead, so you don't feel it. So one of the things we want to do is when people are taking assessments, there's no observer effect. There's no impotence of their sort of sleep where we're disrupting it, interrupting it, or causing it to be worse because of the actual testing sensor. The second reason is for people who have breathing issues when they sleep, One of the biggest determinants is the position of their head, which therefore is a proxy for the position of their airway. And so when we sleep on our back, gravity works against us, and it generally leads to more cessations in breathing than when we're on our side. And then the third reason the forehead makes sense is that we get a really good signal for SpO2 or blood oxygen saturation Mm. on the forehead. So there was a lot of uh, scientific logic that went into us choosing the forehead is the place where you wear the device. 
Very cool. Very cool. So folks, uh, take a look at this. It's pretty cool. Uh, www.bettersleep, B-E-D-D-R, sleep.com. Uh, you'll see what we're talking about here. So as we dive into this, Michael, tell us a little bit about how you guys see this product improving the lives of those with sleep apnea. Well, I think there's a, there's a number of fronts where we already see this making a huge impact. One, it's just about giving people access to sort of accurate information that helps them understand what the risk factors are as it relates to the cause of their sleep issues. So with our product, a person can test each night for tens of dollars versus if they have to wait to go into the traditional sleep medicine system just to get sort of an early indication if something's wrong, that could be thousands of dollars that could take them up to six months to actually get scheduled. We do it for tens of dollars and people are able to do it within just a couple of days. Which is uh, pretty amazing, man. Yeah, this is, I think this is where there's a huge opportunity in, in medicine is if you look at sort of any chronic group of people, there's just some people who are relatively simple to ascertain what's going on and then to ultimately get them to a diagnosis. And then there's another group who have much more complex cases and there's lots of sort of comorbidities and there's lots of conditions that are interacting in a way that, look, they need to go through a much, much more robust and comprehensive sort of assessment. And we really see ourselves as helping physicians and the overall medical community, like let's work on the, the easy, the more simple to classify people and let's address them in a simpler, more straightforward way so that more resources are being applied to the more complex, the difficult to diagnose cases. And that's a way we really see it as an opportunity to drive efficiency in the system is put the resources on the hardest cases and then allow technology to really play a more active role with the more straightforward and simple to understand situations. Fascinating. And, and you know, one of the things that just rises to mind, Michael, is as we see more digital technologies infiltrating our healthcare space, I think it, it really becomes the responsibility of providers to stay on top of it because these technologies, they definitely are, are useful and customers are used to interfacing with things that are simple. Partnerships are great and opportunities to see how, how these technologies could better impact workflow are key because if we don't consider them, then they can become very disruptive. Wouldn't you agree? Well, I totally agree. I think this is having now been in at the CEO of two digital health companies, I've seen it sort of in two different examples. Our perspective is, is we're not here to disrupt. We're not here to put somebody out of business or to take revenue from someone else. That is just not the objective that drives. Right. Our view is that there's just a simpler, better way to do things for a certain group of people. And I think by being perhaps more narrow in our focus and being clear about what our ambitions are, both what we're going to do and what we're not going to do, we've actually seen a lot of advocacy from the sleep physician community because they've looked at us as, well, you're actually going to help solve some of the very problems that we've been trying to address for a couple of decades. And they also understand that there's some boundaries that we've put in place. We're not trying to put a sleep lab or a sleep physician out of business, what we're trying to say is, look, you know, there's a huge population of people out there that are never going to make it to you that we now will have access to and that we can bring them to you or we can at least give them access to you in a more efficient way. That improves things for everybody. It allows sleep physicians to be able to impact more people and it allows people to have more ready and easily available and affordable access to true expertise. And 
we see ourselves as kind of that bridge mm-hmm. between the individual, the consumer of the healthcare, and the, the expert. And we serve both of them. And by serving both of them, we think we can build a better solution that brings both of them together in a more efficient manner. Yeah, for sure. No, very eloquently said. And think that it goes back to those partnerships, right? You guys are, are not here to disrupt. You guys are here to partner. And um, a lot of people go undiagnosed. So I think uh, going the consumer route is is a great way to capture that. What would you say, like the main thing right now that that is going to be what improves outcomes with what you guys do? So I think there's, there's two areas that we're really focused on. One is, if we look at this broad population of 54 million people, just getting them made aware that they may be at risk, and then actually getting them to a formal diagnosis, that's going to improve the outcome for that undiagnosed, untested population. There's mm-hmm. absolutely no doubt. For sure. I think the second area that is going to become very powerful is how do we harness the data that is being sort of cultivated across our system to assist in what we call sort of patient therapy matching? And so if you look at a condition like apnea, there's four or five different therapy paths that could have a positive impact. What people don't really understand now is who is going to be best suited to each one of those paths. And there's an absence of data that exists to be able to do that in a more accurate, predictive fashion. And One of the coolest things that we've done by making the sensor both accurate but affordable is a consumer now owns this product. So they can test to establish a baseline, but they can also test once they've started therapy to actually determine what's the impact of the therapy on the quality of their sleep. And so it's the ability to bridge that sort of life cycle of the consumer and the user of this product that is going to drive a much more efficient matching of patient and therapy, which should improve what we call compliance. And as compliance goes higher, outcomes will go higher as well. And so that's where I think we get really excited and passionate about what we're doing. It's this concept of access and then also driving greater engagement from the user because we know those two will actually contribute to a real significant improvement in outcomes. That's awesome, man. I think it's a fantastic idea and uh, the numbers are there. I'm excited to see what you guys create. You can just go to our website. You can see it. It's, it's right there. We just did our first manufacturing run of product and it's now nice. getting Congratulations. into our warehouse. Yeah, it was, it's been an 18, 24 month journey, but Man. we're excited where we're at right now. And we we're excited. We're just coming out of beta testing right now. And the experience that people have had, the reaction to the product has been overwhelmingly positive. So we're, we're ready to, to give birth, so to speak, and, and bring <laughs> this product into the world and, and hopefully help a lot of people. That's really the primary motivation. Well, congratulations on, on getting to this big milestone, man. Thank you. That's huge. So let, let's talk about, uh, you know, you've had a lot of different experiences, Michael. What would you say one of the biggest setbacks you've had and what did you learn from that? Sure. Great question. So my first CEO role, I was a CEO of Soundhawk, which did some really interesting cutting edge stuff. So um, the whole basis of Soundhawk was you would allow people to self-fit a hearing assistance device versus have to go in for a hearing test and then sort of a a battery of acoustic fittings. And so here a person could simply place their finger on a smartphone screen and as they moved it around, it would actually change to sort of achieve a setting where they could hear things more clearly. 
That's pretty cool. You could also change it dynamically based upon the environment that you were in. And so, you know, it was the classic example of you're building a better mousetrap and you sort of expect the better mousetrap is going to lead to business success. And ultimately it didn't. And when I look at why, we did a very poor job at that company of understanding where we need to be different and where we need to be the same as sort of the status quo. And I'll give you an example. Okay. We wanted to be different from a regulatory perspective and that we wanted to be classified differently. And therefore, we had the ability to make different claims. We wanted to have a different go-to-market. We wanted to have a different across a range of things. And it was so different that it just was difficult for people to fully assess, understand, and that really sort of extended the time period that we had to build trust and credibility and ultimately build up a successful sales pipeline. And so when I look at it in retrospect, it was very clear that you need to be different in certain areas and in other areas, you just need to sort of look very similar to the way things are. And that's very much informed the approach that we've, we've taken at Better, where, look, the product is different, the delivery model is different, the pricing model is very different. But the things that are the same are that the data we gather and the accuracy of that data is absolutely consistent with what a, a board-certified sleep physician has been comfortable with for the last decade or two. So that was, I think, the big insight from the SoundTalk experience is definitely be different in certain areas, but don't go against the workflow. Don't try to convince people in certain areas where they have just grown really accustomed to the way things have been, and they're comfortable with that. And Mm -hmm. I think that nuance is one that a lot of people, when they first come into healthcare, they don't understand. They just take the classic sort of disruptive mentality where it's like, well, we need to be different. Whatever they've done before, we'll just be different yeah. without applying a lot of intelligence and sophistication <laughs> to that. And I yep. think, you know, I encourage people just really know yourself and, and know the market and know who your partners are going to be and know who you're going to be building relationships with and then factor that into how you think about your product and your go-to-market and your overall business model. Michael, I think that's uh, tremendously insightful and being different for the sake of different isn't going to get you there. So take a step back and think through that, I think is a words of wisdom that I think everybody needs to take the heart. Definitely appreciate you sharing that, Michael. Straight from the trenches is so valuable. Happy to do so. So what would you say the other side of the coin, one of your proudest and just awesome leadership experiences in healthcare that you've had to date? Well, I think it's, I've been at the head of building two digital health companies completely from scratch in two areas that are not, they're meaningful, but they're not the highest profile, perhaps buzziest areas of medicine, one being hearing loss and the other being apnea. But these are two conditions that dramatically impair a person's quality of life, both in the near term as well as the long term. And I think in both situations, you know, we've been able to bring, you know, a much better experience to the consumer. And we've enabled them to both understand more about what's going on, but we've also given them a lot more control over their lives and their ability to sort of manage these conditions. And I think that's what I'm most proud about is, you know, ultimately we're empowering people to to live a better life. And that's sort of the mission that drives us both here, but it was also the mission that drove us previously at SoundTalk. 
That's great, man. And sleep is so important. I think the education piece will definitely be huge for those of us without apnea and and for those with apnea. I think it's so key to understand the value of sleep, the days of being sleep deprived and wearing that as a badge of honor, I think are starting to go away. There may be some pockets of it still, but I think what you and your team are doing to get that education out there is is pretty huge. Yeah, it's interesting. Definitely the mentality towards getting the right amount of sleep. You see this with thought leaders like Ariana Huffington at Thrive Global, yeah. Jeff Bezos. These people who are proudly saying that, you know, I need to get my seven to eight hours of sleep per night because it makes me a better person. It makes me a better leader. I think it's exciting. I think it's sort of, you know, it's a wind in our sails and basically anybody who's in the sort of sleep business right now. And I think when we look specifically at breathing issues, when we sleep, I think it's people are really starting to come to a recognition that this impacts a much broader population of people and that it's these breathing disruptions that actually oftentimes are contributing to insomnia, but they're also sort of accelerants to a range of other chronic conditions that people may have from type 2 diabetes to hypertension to mental health issues. And I think what we've been really excited about is just the response we've seen from the broader healthcare community, because they see us doing something that certainly helps our particular group of customers in our business, but they see the application to support the digital therapies that they have or the employer programs that they're rolling out. And that's great. That just means we're doing the right things and we're working on things that have a broader impact, perhaps in ways that even we can't anticipate at this point. That's outstanding. So I know that Better is about to have its official debut. That's an exciting project. Is there anything within what you're doing now that's a very exciting project or focus that you're very, very drilled into? There is. So when we thought about how we were going to roll out the business and specifically the product, the wearable sensor that we call the sleep tuner was the first thing we needed to focus on because we needed a way to to gather clinically valid, accurate information. And so the sleep tuner is designed to do that. Now what we're focused on is what do we do with that data? Not only what do we do for the individual, but more think about the community and how is this information going to be anonymized, aggregated, analyzed, and then delivered back in a meaningful way to both the consumer, but also to the clinician. And so this is really the next phase of the company that we're really focused on right now as we begin to see data flowing through the system. And it's amazing what you can learn. It's amazing how much of an impact, just simple choices like having two drinks within a couple hours of going to bed or when we have colds and allergies, the impact that these things are having on our sleep quality and now the ability to quantify that and then provide back to the individual thoughtful and actionable recommendations for things that they can do on their own that we know there's a very high likelihood that it's going to improve their sleep. Man, that is exciting. It's that yeah. data piece, you know, that data piece is, is what differentiates. We knew when we started the company that the sort of future of sleep medicine was going to be driven by data science. Amen, man. And what was required was how can you cost effectively gather that information at a scale that's never been done before in the past? And so, you know, right now there's really kind of two models. One is the classic overnight sleep test, which is an incredibly accurate 
comprehensive test, but you'll only have a chance to do it once in an environment that is not your home. Right. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got consumer sleep trackers, which are not validated or approved by the FDA, and they don't gather the information that is considered gold standard. So they may have billions of nights of data. It's just the wrong data of probably questionable accuracy. And so mm. in the middle is this really fascinating opportunity that we've been driving towards, which is, can we gather the most important information that you would get from an overnight sleep test? but over multiple nights in a very yeah. cost-effective, scalable way. And even now, when we see the data flow through the system, you're seeing all these relationships that have been hinted at in sort of peer-reviewed research, but have never been sort of, uh, they never reached a degree of being considered conclusive. And I think we're going to be a, a huge agent in really helping drive greater understanding of these issues Love because it, man. of the, the data we're gathering. Love it. I think it's so awesome, especially the patient level and then also the science level and the things that you guys are going to be able to contribute. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Thank you. So getting close to the end here, Michael, let's pretend you and I are building a leadership course on what it takes to be successful in the business of healthcare, the 101 of Michael Kish. So I've got four questions for you, lightning round style, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Yep. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Engage the patient as an active uh, instead of a passive participant. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Don't avoid or go around the FDA or physician experts. Engage with them. Doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but a robust give and take will make a better product and a better business. Love that. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Always stay focused on doing a better job of solving the customer's problem. What is one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? We are all about empowering our customers to understand and more importantly, solve their sleep problems. Love that. And what would you say the book that you recommend to the listeners as part of the syllabus? Can I give you three or do I have to give you <laughs> Give us three, man. <laughs> all right. So here's, here's three books sort of at three various points of my sort of journey. So the oh. first one is by Clayton Christensen. That's a different type of Clayton Christensen book. It's okay. called How Will You Measure Your Life? And I won't go into it in great detail, but it was a book I read at sort of a, a critical fork in the road as it related to what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I found it deeply informative, inspirational, and it gave me the confidence to sort of continue on the digital health path when maybe I was questioning if that was the right path to be on. Second one is The Undoing Project by Michael Lewis. So if anybody has an interest in the way that people, human beings make decisions, both for right and for wrong, this to me is the most accessible book that you'll ever read about two Israeli psychologists, one named Amos Tversky and one named Danny Kahneman, who basically did all the seminal work on heuristics and judgment and decision making. Fascinating. It's really a fascinating read. And, and Lewis does a great job of taking the academic and making it accessible. Love it. Third one, which I just finished reading on vacation with my family is David versus Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. I really like this book because I've been in startups now for the last six to eight years. And most of the time people think you're insane. Like how can you go challenge the incumbents? <laughs> or the status quo? And like, this is a great book where you realize that there's actually significant disadvantages to being the giant within. Yeah a particular category and that 
if you understand that as a startup, there's some paths you can choose that really increase your rate of success. Great recommendations, Michael. Love that last one, one that I've definitely read and I think is so good. The other two haven't, so adding those to the list, appreciate you uh, highlighting these reads as well as the syllabus overview. Listeners, you could find all of that at outcomesrocket.health slash better. That's B-E-D-D-R, B-E-D-D-R. And you'll find the transcript of our conversation, links to those books, links to the company if you want to get yourself one of these devices or sign up before early release. You can do that there. Michael, this has been fun, man. Saul, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we go, though, I'd love if you could just share a uh, closing thought and then the best place for the listeners to get in touch with or follow you. Ah, closing thought. Well, here is my closing thought. I think that we're about to enter a phase here where we're going to really see a radical acceleration and change in the healthcare landscape. And I'm assuming most of your listeners, they've been in healthcare for an extended period of time. They've heard that change is coming and they've wondered, is that truly going to happen or is the status quo going to continue to prevail? My sense now is that we are about to witness significant change and that there's new entrants, there's new companies that are bringing even more force for change. And I'm incredibly excited about that. I think anybody who's sort of been in the healthcare space should be incredibly excited about that because I think a lot of the stuff that's frustrated us, we're going to begin to see some really positive movement forward as as more people really come together to solve some of these big problems. Love that, Michael. And what would you say the best place for listeners to get in touch or follow you is? I'm on Twitter. So it's surfski, S-U-R-F-S-K-I. The two things I used to do lots of, I do not do as much. <laughs> before you were uh, a healthcare uh, CEO. <laughs> you got it. And before I had three kids, those two things occupy most of my time. Also, feel free to just reach out and, and connect on LinkedIn or you know come to our website, sign up for our newsletter. We uh, generate lots and lots of real relevant content related to sleep. So whether you have apnea or not, we will certainly try to educate you about sleep problems and the impact of sleep on your overall health and well-being. Outstanding. Hey, sleep is so important to me, Mike, and I know for the rest of the listeners. So keep up the amazing work that you're up to, man. And uh, thanks for carving out time for us. Thanks, all. Appreciate it. Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast.